All right, well, we're coming to the end of 1 Peter. We're starting chapter 5 this morning. We'll be there this week and next week, and then we're going to move on to something else. Um, But what we've seen Peter talk about is having living hope in Christ and the finished work of salvation when we are with Him forever. He's talked about how to live as a Christian in a hostile world. He's talked about very practical things in areas like obeying the government of husbands and wives and servants or employees. He's talked about suffering and how Jesus is our example. And he also empowers us to help us endure suffering. And today we're going to see a shift in kind of what he's talking about. He's going to give us some final instructions, and what we're going to see is he wants us to remember that we are not in this alone. We talked about this maybe a couple of weeks ago, that when you're suffering, you sometimes pull back, and you feel like, hey, I'm in this all by myself, so I I kind of pull back from my community, but he wants us to understand that's not really what it is, because we know, know this as well. In times of stress is when a group that gathers together sometimes begins to fall apart, because they're all worried about their own things, or you don't Like the situation we're in right now, you don't meet as often or you don't see each other as often. And so you kind of slowly drift away. And so he's going to give us help this morning to continue to give us hope, but also to try to bring us together to continue to be united. And I think we can say we're all kind of feeling that, right? We're all missing each other. You're missing giving hugs or just saying hi or whatever it may be. We're kind of missing being together um, as a group. And the key that I think he gives us in this last chapter that kind of flows throughout all of chapter 5 is the theme of humility, of not that it might be what you or what I would pick, but I think this is exactly what we need to deal with this situation. Because humility battles pride and it battles selfishness in areas where we might say, well, I'm not getting what I want, so I'm out of here. Or I seem to be doing fine on my own, so I'll just keep going on my, on my, by myself and I won't come back to church when we start meeting again. But we need to stick together. We need to support each other. We need to help each other. That's how we make it through tough times. And Peter gives us two very specific areas in this, what we're going to see this morning, to practice humility, one in leadership and the other in relationships. And so let's see what he has to say in 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to read verses 1 through 5. Um, You can find it in your own Bible or in the YouVersion Bible app. It's there for you. You can follow along as well. He says, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness to the sufferings of Christ as well as one who shares in the glory about to be revealed. Shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not out of greed for money, but eagerly, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. In the same way, you who are younger be subject to the elders, All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And so first we're going to see that humility in leadership brings hope. God gives us leaders to help live in a broken, hostile world and to remain together as a church. When you're struggling or when you're hurting and when you ask, where can I go for help? Who will listen to me? Who can give me counsel? Where can I go? Who can I talk to that I can be honest about what's really happening? And 
what I'm really feeling in this moment? And the answer is godly pastors or elders or leaders. And so Peter starts in this process. He's actually, what he does at the very beginning is, yes, he's talking to elders, which we are taking as the office of the church that we might call pastor or elder. And that's kind of who he's talking to. But first, he actually gives his resume. But even the way that he gives his resume is an example of humility. Because he could have just said, look, I'm Peter. I was with Jesus. I did some awesome things. I planted some churches. You guys should just listen to what I say because of who I am. Right? But that isn't what he says. Right? He says, look, I'm a fellow elder. I'm serving just like you guys are in the church. I'm a witness to the sufferings of Christ. I actually saw Jesus suffer on the cross, and I myself have also suffered because of the name of Christ. I've participated in that suffering. And then he says kind of at the end in that phrase is, really, I'm just a fellow believer awaiting the return of Christ just like everyone else. And so he kind of tells us this is why you should listen, but he does that even in a, hum in a humble way. And then he talks about three ways that elders are to live and how to care for others well. First, we see that humble leaders serve willingly. Uh, we see this in verse 2, shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. So just to recap, we talked about this earlier in the year, but the word for shepherd and the word for overseer are two words that are used when it refers to elders or the office of elder or pastor in the New Testament. And so that's really who he's talking to, but I think the principles that he's going to give us can actually apply to anyone, and so please listen to them. But he calls them to shepherd the flock which is among them, which means to feed them, right? Feed them with the word of God. Teach them what they are supposed to know, how they're supposed to live. Lead them. Give them direction. Give them purpose. Show them how to make disciples according to God's mission. To watch over them. To see, make sure everyone is on track to keep following Christ, and if any fall away, to go after them, to seek them, to bring them back and to protect them, to protect the flock from those who would come in and disrupt unity or teach false doctrine. That's what he talks about when he's talking about shepherding. And God gives leaders for the good of the church and to give us hope. Right? We can have hope because God has given us pastors or shepherds to walk with us and watch over our lives and our souls so that we can endure, as Peter would say, to reach the goal of our faith, the salvation of our souls at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And he says that elders should not serve because they feel like they must do it. Because of any external pressure, whatever that may be, whether it's somebody saying you should do this or whatever that may be, but because they desire to serve God and the church. And I think this concept is actually true for all of us. God wants us to perform any service for him willingly, as we saw a few weeks ago, right? he gives us the gifts to serve, and then he gives us the power to use those gifts, and all of those things are to be used to glorify God, to build up others. And so when we use those, we honor him by doing them in a way that he desires for us, by doing it according to his will, which is what we see next. Do it as God would have you. Essentially, submit to God's direction. Do it according to his will. And I know that this part is sometimes hard for us because we think we know what we're supposed to do. We think, hey, I have this gift, I have this talent, I'm just going to go use it however I see fit, however I want to. 
And I think it's actually especially hard for people who are good leaders because you've had some success, you have some skill in leadership, you have some talent. And so you think, hey, I've got this figured out. I know maybe more than some other people or I can lead better than others. And so I should just be able to go off and do it the way I think it should be done. Right? I've got this. I know what we should do. But a great, what this says is, a great leader says, I know that I have some skill and some talent, but I'm humbling myself and I'm submitting to God and his leadership, to his authority, to his direction, to his plan. And so to have humility and to submit to God, even in the moments where you think it, you, all, you have it all figured out, is a sign of humility, that I don't know all the answers. God is smarter than me. He knows what's happening more than I do. So I should listen to him. I should submit to him. I should follow him. And so we follow God's will as we lead or as we live. We also see that humble leaders serve eagerly. Right? They serve not out of greed for money, but eagerly. The goal is to be eager to serve, eager to help, eager to put others' needs before your own. Not to serve as a leader to say, what can I get out of this? What's in it for me? Whether it's power or respect or influence or authority or even money. Whatever it may be, that's not of the purpose of godly leadership. Right? They should serve out of their love for God and the love of the congregation, not for what they can get out of it. They should say, how can I serve? How can I help? Not what's in it for me. Or what can I get out of it? And leaders who serve others eagerly give us hope because we know that whatever we need, whatever's going on, whatever situation we're in, they will be there to help us, to pray with us, to listen to us, to counsel us, to support us in those things. We also see that humble leaders serve as examples in verse 3. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Humble leaders don't lord over others. They aren't domineering, but they lead as examples, showing and <clears throat> demonstrating what it looks like to lead a godly life, but also what it looks like to serve. All right, this is the thing that we've all kind of heard before. Don't ask someone to do something that you haven't already done or that you're not willing to do. Right, that's a sign of good leadership. If you're going to go pull weeds and ask somebody else to do that, you should be willing or have already done that as well, or whatever it is, to do some of the things that people may not want to do, but you live as an example in that. And I think this concept is important of being examples and not being right, domineering or lording it over others, because living the Christian life is hard enough. And the situation that Peter's been describing of living in a hostile world, a broken world, is even more difficult. And so in hard times, we don't need leaders who berate us or who yell at us or tell us all the things that we're doing wrong. But we need someone who is there to shepherd and support us, to lead us gently with mercy and grace and compassion. And so our leaders shouldn't make a hard thing already even worse by telling us how we're not doing it right or how we're not doing it well, but to love us and even to correct us lovingly in those ways. And so, yes, he does says if you live as a humble leader and you do it well, there is a reward for you. We see this in verse 4. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. 
Right? There's a reward for leading well, but that's not what elders, pastors, and shepherds are leading for. They're not, their reward is actually to see their flock, their congregation, those they are leading, grow in their faith, grow in their salvation, come to know Christ more deeply. And they receive this crown of the unfading crown of glory, which is similar to some of the other things we've seen. I'm not sure this is an actual crown that you're actually going to hold. Um, I think it's more of a metaphorical idea, but I could. we'll see when we get there, I guess, what happens. But there's other crowns that are referred to throughout Bible, the, the Bible. One is the crown of righteousness in 2 Timothy, the crown of life in James 1 and Revelation 2, and then the crown of joy in Philippians and Thessalonians. So this is kind of this concept of giving you something to represent what you are feeling or getting. So yes, we see humility in leadership is important. And it gives us hope because we have leaders who are with us, who are walking with us in whatever situation it is, who will support and encourage and love us and shepherd us well. But we also see that humility in relationships brings unity. And first he calls us to essentially humbly listen to others. We see this in verse 5. It says, In the same way, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. And here he switches from elders as an office of elder or pastor to just people who are older than you. Um, I read about six commentaries this week just to make sure, and everybody kind of agrees this is the shift that he has made. And if we're honest... Uh, I think we could all say, whether you feel like you're a young person now or not, uh, young people aren't the best at listening. They're not the best at listening to the wisdom of others. They think, sometimes think they all have it figured out, or that they have better ideas than those who have gone before them. And sometimes that may be true. But what he's really saying is, look, there are people who have gone before you who have lived this life this Christian life, and have gone through some of the very same situations that you are going through. And you as a younger person, you need to slow down, and you need to ask for help, ask for advice, ask for wisdom from those who have gone before you. Don't just run off on your own, because usually that doesn't end well. And so, yes, it might be a little slower if you listen and ask and follow them, but um, the older people who will give you wisdom are going to help you in the long run. It'll be better than that. And so listening to others takes humility, right? To slow down and to listen, to not think you've got it all figured out or that you're smarter than everyone else. See, we're all given other people in the church to walk with us, to support us, to encourage us to live with us, to give us wisdom so that we can all grow together in Christ. And I think listening to others, treating others with respect, seeking wisdom from both sides, right? From older to younger and younger to older, of saying, hey, how did you guys used to do this? We're trying to figure out how to make disciples or how to do this ministry or do this study or whatever it is. How did you guys used to do this and learning from the wisdom of those who have gone before? But on the other side, to say, hey, what's happening now? How can we do this now? We've done this for 40 years, but is there a newer way? Is there a better way? Is there a more impactful way to do this? 
And so it brings unity to the church as we ask in both directions, right, for wisdom and insight so that we can effectively minister to our current culture. And it brings unity as we know and understand not just what we're doing, but the why behind what we are doing. And so he calls us to, yes, humbly listen to others, but also to humbly submit to God. He says, all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Right? When he talks about putting on humility or clothing yourselves in humility, uh, the, the term for this or the phrase for this is um, servants who would put on an apron to demonstrate, hey, I'm ready to serve. I'm in my essentially serving uniform. And so that's what he's saying to us as believers to every day to put on humility, to put on the mindset that I am here to serve others. I'm ready to serve God and whatever that looks like. And I'm sure when Peter is writing this and he's talking about putting on uh, the, the humility and service, he kind of has in the back of his mind Jesus at the Last Supper where the disciples all show up and when they get there, Jesus has the towel wrapped around his waist and one by one, he washes the disciples' feet as a sign of service, as a sign of love, as a sign of humility, of him putting on humility to serve others. And then he gives us this phrase, right? God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And essentially, I think what he's saying is the, prou- the proud have trouble, but the humble receive grace, right? Because people who are proud or prideful are, think they are self-sufficient. I can do this on my own. I don't need anything outside of myself to accomplish what I want to accomplish. But those who understand right, who they really are, that they are sinners, that they are broken, that they do mess up. Those people are ready to receive grace. And that's essentially the message of the gospel, right, to say, I can't do it on my own. I'm, I'm too weak. I'm too sinful. I'm too selfish to live the way that God has intended me to live. And so I admit that I need help. And we trust in God to give us faith and righteousness so that we can be empowered to serve him and to serve others. And so it takes some humility to say, I'm broken, I'm sinful, I need help, I need Jesus, I need someone outside of me to give me answers, to give me hope, to give me purpose in life. And God, even in that, sent Christ to show us what a humble shepherd would look like. Right, And we see kind of a brief reference here in the middle of Christ as the chief shepherd. And the chief shepherd looked down with compassion on his sheep and saw that they were scattered and that they were lost and that they were in danger. And he came and he gathered them to himself and he called them by name and he brought them to the flock. And he didn't just pick the best looking ones or the strongest ones, but all of those who called out for his help. And he saved all of them not with great prowess in battle or skill in negotiation, but by not considering himself better than others and being obedient to God the Father, even to death on a cross. 
And so Christ is our example. He is our shepherd who has gone before us, who enables us to live in humility. So what do we do in response to this? What does the sum of this look like? First, we need to seek humble, godly leaders. And we're taking steps to continue to do that, to have more accountability, more openness, more growth in our leaders. Leaders need to be humble and to serve. But others also need to be humble and to listen, to seek help, to seek counsel, to seek prayer, to seek encouragement from their leaders. Be humble enough to ask for help. Don't go through things on your own. Realize that we all have struggles and issues. We're all in this together. But this should actually be the only place where you can be real and honest and open about what you're going through, about what you're struggling with, without fear of judgment. And for kids, right, God has given you leaders as well, and you would call them parents, right? He's given them to help you. So be humble enough to listen to them, even when you think what they're telling you is ruining your life, right? He has given them to you for your good, and I promise they may not get it right every time, but they are trying to do what's best for you. They are trying to lead you forward in your life, both as a person and in your relationship with Christ. So be humble enough to listen. But we also live with humility in our relationships to seek the wisdom of others, to ask, how can I grow? How can I get through this? What does the Bible say about this? And to go ask somebody else who you look up to in the faith or who you know is a solid believer, to go ask them those questions. And then when you ask for wisdom from others, to actually listen. Not to say, thanks for your wisdom, thanks for your insight, but I already had a plan and I like it better than what you said, so I'm just going to keep doing what I was doing before. No, to be actually humble enough to listen to those who are trying to help you. And I think this isn't just, sometimes we hear it's kind of a sermon on humility or something like this, and we're just like, yeah, that's a good concept, um, to consider or something that I might work on in the future, but I think this is actually bigger than that. I think our church and our relationships are at stake, and here's what I mean by by that. Who wants to live with the person who knows it all and tells everybody else what they're doing wrong all the time, right? Who wants to live with that person who never listens to anyone else? If everyone thinks that their way is best, And they never listen to anyone else. It slowly pulls the church apart and relationships apart because everyone is seeking their own good, not the good of others. If you have the attitude that I'm not getting my way, I'm not getting what I want. So, I mean, the phrase we use is, so I'm taking my ball and I'm going home or I'm not coming back. That's not good in relationships or in a church. Serving others willingly eagerly being examples of humility and service goes a long way even in difficult times and difficult situations and difficult circumstances kind of like where we're at right now it takes humility to do things that you may not want to do for the good of others i think a good goal for people in their relationships and especially in the church is actually to try to outserve each other 
to say, I'm going to serve others better than anyone else. I know that's not a humble thing to say, right? But I think it's a goal that we can shoot for to say, I'm going to serve, I'm going to give to others to look for the interests of theirs, the cares of others, more than what I want for myself. And so we, I think we must be humble so that we can serve God and see health and growth in our relationships and in our church because this whole attitude leads us into unity and it leads us into hope to trust others to rely on others to in, even invite them into our lives so they can hear and they can see what we're really doing what we're really struggling with what's really going on and to be open with that and receive advice and wisdom and encouragement and to be shepherded and loved and treated with mercy and grace and compassion. I think all of that together gives us hope and it gives us unity and it strengthens our relationships and it strengthens our church. We guys pray with me this morning. God, we come before you and we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done. We thank you for just a, a, you as an example, you as the chief shepherd, the one who gives us an example of what it looks like to live in humility, of what it looks like to serve others, that you, even you, even Christ in heaven looked down on us and he, he didn't think, well, I'm too good to go down there among those people. But he came and he saw that we needed help, that we needed hope, that we needed salvation. And he came and he lived among us and he lived perfectly and he treated people that society had outcast with compassion and with mercy and he served them and he walked with them and he spoke to them and he helped them. So I pray that we would have the same mindset, that we would treat others with love and compassion and mercy and that we would listen and we would seek to understand so that it brings unity and it brings hope and it brings purpose to our relationships and to our church. So God, I pray that you will remind us daily to put on humility, to clothe ourselves in humility, to take on the mindset of serving others and serving you. And then give us the strength that we are going to need, the patience that we are going to need to be able to do that day in and day out. So help us to seek you and your love and mercy and salvation. In your name I pray, amen.